Welcome to the Wake the Giant broadcast. I'm your host, Alan Garrett. This is part two of an interview with Bob Scott, founder of the Joseph Company Global and author of the book, In the Company of Joseph. I hope you enjoy it. Well, the reason why I think narcissism is so dangerous mm. is because it fits right into what's coming, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I mean, think about what's happened with technology, right? So mm -hmm. along, along this journey we've been on, this tech revolution we've been on, and, and the spirit of narcissism, right? Mm -hmm. What's happened? We mm -hmm. have selfies now. <laughs> we, we we can create our own kingdoms, right? Mm -hmm. Our own fantasy kingdoms online mm -hmm. where we're the god of our own little social universe, yeah. right? And Careers it's are all built predicated on likes, right? And and yep. it's mirror, Careers mirror are built on, on that the now. wall. Who's the fairest of them yeah. all, right? You have you ever looked at the at followers on Instagram? It's crazy the top 10 people mm -hmm. that are followed on Instagram are people that make zero difference in the world. <laughs> Except that people follow them. Except yeah. for everyone follows them. Yeah. Right. And, and, and so we have all this whole world of look at me, look at me, look at me. Right. Mm -hmm. the, the thing why this is so crucially important is that what, all the technology, everything that's happened, even how China implemented a surveillance, an, a national yeah. surveillance system mm -hmm. into their culture was they ga gamified it, made it fun, and made it all about you looking good. Yeah. Wow. Right? You see, they use narcissism as the, you know, as mm -hmm. the incentive where, you know what I mean? They appeal to people's narcissism to recruit mm -hmm. them. So everything that's coming in terms of the technological world, all is about you feeling better, you feeling safer, mm -hmm. you living longer. You know, it's 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 all focused on you, except for here's the deception. It really actually isn't about you. <laughs> it's about the few people that control everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they're they're feeding you this drug that's appealing to your narcissism. But they're gaining power because but knowledge they, is power. Because what are you doing? You're abdicating. Uh, one of the things I point out in the book is if you go back to the garden, it's really interesting. When they blow it, God shows up, right? Mm -hmm. And and when when God confronts Adam, what does he do? He uh, blames it on Eve, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, and when God, Eve, yeah. when, when, and then when God asks Eve, what does she do? Blames it on the snake. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so from the beginning of time, right. Mm -hmm. No one wants to take responsibility. Yeah. yeah. We all, we, there's a, there's something in our humanness where we want to abdicate. We want someone else to make decisions. So what's coming, which is the, the primary driver of what's coming is artificial intelligence. Yeah. You mentioned, uh, shifts in, uh, technology shifts in, economics and shifts in worldview. Right. So, so what you have to understand is that there's a whole group of people in the tech sector who believe that the weak link in evolution in creation 
is us. Mm. We're, we're the problem. Yeah. So to compensate for our weakness, they are going to create God. And this yes. God, I see that. And 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 it's it's it we're back to the garden again. Because remember in the garden, what was the thing that made you like God? Knowledge. Exactly. No, no, right? Choosing between good and evil, having that, right. that power and knowing so, that what that so means. So now you've got a whole group of people who have taken knowledge, right? And they've they've made it data and they've put it on machines that can be accessible. And now they're creating the machines that can access all of that knowledge. And in their mind, if you go back and you see mm -hmm. what Ray Kurzweil, who's driving Google and all these other guys are doing, they believe that they're creating a sentient being. Mm. And the rest of us idiots who believe in this folklore God from ancient days mm -hmm. are going to be laughed at and ridiculed when they produce a tangible God that actually solves problems mm. and gives humanity all the things it wants, right? It keeps humanity safe and it provides for humanity and it makes all the decisions for us because we don't really want to make those decisions anyways. That's scary. <laughs> well, the reason it's scary is this. Is it so appealing? It makes sense. Yeah. And it I appeals can see how to it all of our vanity. It appeals to all of our insecurities, all of our fears, everything. So, so basically, in their view, you're obsolete. Yeah. And they have another concept, which they call the singularity. And the singularity is, is I mean, even, even Elon Musk is working mm. on this. They are trying to create a biological implant hmm. that goes into our, our brain where you can actually plug into the net. And in their view, when hmm. that happens, when we reach the singularity, we then become gods. Yeah. Because now we have access to what? Knowledge again. It's all about knowledge. Yep. Lots of, as though, lots of as though uh, knowledge is, is the one thing that differentiates or describes God, right? Yeah. That all he is, is just knowledge. Like he's some giant database in the, up in there somewhere in the heavens. Right. And you, you know, you program him, you know, you put in and, and yet what's insane about this is if you go back and read a lot of Christian books, you'd almost think God was a giant PC. It's just like we have, you know, it's like we have all these formulas. If you do this, 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 and this, and you plug it in, you're going to get this result. Mm -hmm. Very uh, humanistic, I guess I could say. Yeah. Uh, that, that we can solve all the problems through knowledge. Oh, yeah. Well, knowledge is, is the key. It's all around the knowledge. Uh, but if you don't deal with the core issues of, uh, of evil and redemption... Not good. Well, and and <laughs> and 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 you're you're getting back to why it's going to fail. Mm -hmm. Yes, because the reality of it is, you cannot legislate out evil from mm -mm. people. You, you can't. can't. You you know what I mean? In other words, we're self-centered. Yeah, we we were talking. I think in our we did a pre-conversation a, a few weeks back, and uh, you were talking about we were talking about 
how there's going to be a, a lot of people who are going to spot the lie and, and yeah. what, what God is going to be doing uh, in, in the future. And um, so I, w- I wanted to head a little bit that way um, um, with a couple of quotes. Uh, you said, change is coming. We can be proactive or reactive. Um, one of the things I liked, uh, one of my favorite quotes from your book is, we need to be free from groupthink. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> well, and I, I, I'm going to get myself in trouble here, but the Christian community is particularly prone to that disease. Mm-hmm. And, and what I, and, and, let, and, and here's, here's the, the collision that we have to realize um, that we got to deal with. And, mm-hmm. and here's what it is, is that our, in our subcultures that we all belong to, there's, there's a pecking order, mm-hmm. you know, there's a code, there's a language, there's a vocabulary, right? There's a, there's a worldview. And mm-hmm. the most popular people are the ones that are the best at communicating the group thing, mm-hmm. right? There's no innovative popular people. And here's why, because innovation at its roots is rebellion. Cause it thinks differently than the, than the group thing, than the subculture, right? So there hasn't been innovation out of the religious world in 500 years. Yeah. In the early days, right? It was all driven by guys in the ministry. I mean, a lot of these guys, I mean, Newton was an ordained, Hmm. you know, minister, right? And they, what were they all in search of? Understanding the creator, right? Hmm. Galileo, Copernicus, everybody was trying to search for God. And that search for God is the root of science. Hmm. Well, then once institutional religion got in there, everything then becomes about conformity and, and, and sticking to the group think. And so what ends up happening is, is all the Christians have to leave the church hmm. so that they can think differently, right? So here's the problem is the very thing that it takes to be innovative is something that is frowned upon in Christianity mm. or institutional Christianity, not spirituality, religion. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, is this is going to really be hard for people to get their head around. Almost everyone that's innovative is weird. That's when you look through history, some of the innovators were weird. Well, well, think about this. Who in the 1500s would go buy bodies at the morgue and mm-hmm. sit down in their basement and cut them open and like draw pictures of society? <laughs> well, even then, right? It yeah. was civilly against the law hmm. and it was a sin as far as the church was concerned. And hmm. there's Da Vinci down there, like checking things you know out. I mean? Cutting things up. And what happens pictures. when I touch this? <laughs> exactly, right? I mean, you got to be weird. I mean, yep. Tesla was weird. I mean, I mm-hmm. could take it. You know, Einstein was weird. Every one of these people were social misfits. And so here's here, and here's why. It's because when you're weird, you live on the fringe of the subculture, and you have less social capital to risk. In being weird, right? Because mm-hmm. if you if you come up with the, a, a weird idea, everybody just goes, "Well, you're weird." Mm-hmm. 
Well, that's your kind of, everybody knows that. So it's weird. If you go back and study history, you just don't find innovation coming from the most, you know, you're never going to get innovation out of Washington, D.C. That That is true at the moment. Well, you will, you will in some of the, the things that the government funds, but you're not going to get it from the people sitting in Congress. Yeah. There's a quote related to the church from your book that I, I, I found very interesting. And uh, by uh, in reading this, I want to say that I don't believe, I'm not against the organized church. Bob, I don't believe, is against the no. organized church. I think not God is going to use the organized church. But at the same time, I think that there's a shift happening in the church. And it's a, a shift um, in some ways away from the... Uh, institutionalized, organized uh, church. And I can say that just by looking at statistics. You see that the, the Protestant churches are declining in attendance. Um, you, see some, you see some shifts. And instead of, many people are gripped by fear when they see that. Mm. But I think we need to have more trust in God. And let me read this one quote. Um, if, uh, what if God has a plan to return his people back to the original non-institutional expression of their faith? I found, I found that pretty insightful. <laughs> well, now, if you have ears to hear and eyes mm-hmm. to see, this pandemic in some ways mm-hmm. is a shot across the bow. I agree. Of the church world. Yes. It, it's, it's God in his mercy mm-hmm. giving us a foreshadow, a forewarning, a, mm-hmm. a, a, a wake up, right? Mm-hmm. Because look what's happening, right? all yeah. around us. And, and, and I try to explain this to people. So if I could take a minute here and explain this, we Americans sort of live in a delusion. And our delusion is, is because of the way we evaluate things is all about big, right? Mm-hmm. We have the most churches, we have the biggest churches mm-hmm. and we take the biggest offerings, right? And yeah. so we uh, view ourselves as the most impactful, mm-hmm. dynamic. Yeah. Right. Except for here's the problem. Why can we do that? And the reason is, is because we have a political system that gives us the freedom to do that. And mm-hmm. we have an economic system that gives us the resources to do that. Mm-hmm. You two, you take those two non-church factors out of the equation. And things would be and different. the expression of Christianity yeah. in America changes drastically. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, the church in China, the church in Iran... Those, yeah. those churches are growing at a great rate. And, and what is it? It's relational, right? It's relational. It's a relational and, and, model of church. So if, if, the, if uh, uh, a wake-up call to the institutions is they need to, be, they need to facilitate that. If they don't facilitate that, they're going to go bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just, I, I probably insulted somebody there. Sorry. <laughs> Anybody listening? So maybe not entirely when I say that they're going to go bye-bye, but I think, I think the Lord is, he wants to do a shift towards, um, I was reading Finney's book, uh, his autobiography. Great book. I would recommend to any, anybody, Charles Finney's autobiography. And he talks about uh, how there was a great move of the Spirit 
and I think 30,000 people got saved in a single week. Mm-hmm. Something like that was like, I, I had to reread it like five times because I go, is that a misprint? Mm. <laughs> um, but one of the things he said about that revival is that the lay people became activated so much as to throw the ministers into the shade. In other words, they, they were pushed out of the way. That you mm. couldn't tell who the ministers were because the body was actually ministering to itself. It was becoming relational. And well, you have more faith than I do. I, I don't have a great deal of faith that mm-hmm. the institutional church world will will shift. And here's why: mm-hmm. there's too much at stake. Again, remember mm-hmm. status and stuff, right? So, yeah. what did we see in Russia? What did what have we seen in in, in China? Mm-hmm. The institutional churches all ended up compromising. Mm-hmm. And getting in bed with the government, government. to what? Maintain their status, status yeah. and their stuff. Yeah. Now, if, if that happens, definitely. Um, but yeah, so maybe I do have more faith in the institutionalized church. I don't, I don't know. I don't have faith meters to check that out. But <laughs> I, I do believe that, um, that there are major shifts uh, yeah. happening and going to happen towards... Uh, things like uh, house churches. Uh, for a long time, uh, house churches and house meetings, whatever you call a church, maybe the definition of church needs to change, mm-hmm. um, were, were frowned upon. But for the first 300 years of the church, people met in more, a more relational model. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't some organize, organized, and a lot of history, in fact, uh, God moved through things that weren't institutionalized. He moved through people. And I think we need to become more relational, more um, like that, that one uh, Sheep Among Wolves video, more disciple-oriented, where we're, we're, we're passing on a way of life, a lifestyle, those kinds of things. I think a lot of the church needs to shift that way, whatever you call it. I think there's some things coming that the Lord's doing. Well, I always think about Jesus' comment. How do you know, how do people know that you're of me? Mm-hmm. That you're my disciples. Except by you your what I say. love for one another. Yeah. And, and, so it's and relational, by your right? Yes. Yeah. In other words, something, somehow or another, we've, we've sort of moved away from the, the fundamentals mm-hmm. i mean think about this one there's no greater love than mm-hmm. to lay your life down mm-hmm. you know w- 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 what's happened in our highly industrialized now tech-driven world is is that the the number one value and i write about this in the book and it's important for people to understand this mm-hmm. the number one value that's driving everything is efficiency mm-hmm. not relationships mm-hmm efficiency and the reason for efficiency is because there's a greed factor involved right because the more efficient Mm -hmm. things are the more money we make yeah and so all and all institutions need to be efficient yeah i have gone to churches where that's very evident that if you contribute to the efficiency of the church you're in the in crowd but as soon as you uh are no longer contributing to that efficiency you're on the out crowd You'll get unfriended on Facebook, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So if you understand, again, you know, we talked earlier about means and motive, you know, it's, it's crucial. I mean, Mm -hmm. mission critical 
mm-hmm. in this hour. And, and I say this in the book. I mean, if there's a gift we need more than ever, it's mm-hmm. discernment. Mm-hmm. Yes. We, we really need to get that gift. And the reason is because what is discernment? It's the, it's the root. It's getting to the root of issues. Right. You know, we've, you know, in our highly efficient culture, we've become so systematized. Right. And so mm-hmm. something doesn't work Well, we need another system. We need a, a better program. Mm-hmm. We we need all these things. Right. And we don't actually look at the root causes, you know, and I, I, I believe it's our dear brother, James. I think it's in James 316, where he talks about the fact that wherever you have selfish ambition, ego and greed, you're going to have every form of evil and chaos. And I can mm-hmm. imagine that anybody listening to this, if you look back and you look at whether it's a church that fell apart, whether it's a business that fell apart, whether it was a marriage that fell apart, whether it was a friendship that fell apart, that one of those two things is always at work. Mm. Yep. So I think it's more than ever we need the Josephs to arise mm. that talk, talk are gifted about, in. Talk a little bit about uh, uh, Joseph. Uh, Joseph is a type. So talk a little bit yeah. about what you see as far as God raising up Josephs, what that might look like, just whatever is on your heart around that. Well, well, and, and let me just say there's Josephs and there's also Josephines. Yes. <laughs> because there are some sisters out there that, God's spirit is on. So what I've always believed um, is that uh, it's so interesting because (laughs) if if you go back and and study human history, here's another paradox. The church is supposed to save the world, but you know how many times the world has saved the church? Hmm. Probably a lot. Right. Who, Who saves the nation of Israel? Egypt. Egypt. Right. I mean, if you if you go back and and you look, what do you? I mean, let's go to the Reformation. Who saves Luther from getting killed? It's Prince Frederick, Hmm. the government. So so what you see all through history, which is so fascinating, is God Hmm. is strategically all the time placing these Joseph types Mm -hmm. across these various sectors, right? And he puts them there for key moments in time and in history. Mm -hmm. And, and it's so interesting because is we're because of our church centric focus, right? Mm -hmm. We, we, we think of the Billy Graham's or the, Mm -hmm. you know, the, um, Reinhardt Bonkies mm-hmm. or the, you know, all the, and, and we have this ministry focus, not realizing there are things happening out there outside of the mm-hmm. church world that are actually even more significant and m- more vital. Cause God is bigger than that. Right. And, that, and so that that's was... what I believe is, is I believe we're in a season okay. right now that is probably what I would call a 500 year shift. Like the last mm-hmm. time we were in a season like this was the Renaissance mm-hmm. and the Reformation. That's how big this threshold we were walking over is. The, the next 20 years, there's dramatic mm-hmm. change coming. What's going to happen is, is the question that is good. We're going to be confronted with is how do we, how are we going to live? Yes. Because what's coming is going to oppose 
our whole worldview, our value systems. There's a, there's a, I don't, I want people to say there's a collision coming, an yes. enormous collision between two diametric kingdoms. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I, I, I love a lot of my prophetic brothers out there and sisters, but one of the things that deeply concerns me a, a lot of what's being prophesied right now is it's, it sounds to me like a fairy tale. Hmm. It may not be that fairy tale like. It's a war. Yeah. I agree. People have to understand this is Mm -hmm. a spiritual war. This is Mm -hmm. a collision between two kingdoms that are, are going to go at each other violently. Yeah. Um, People die. See, you're talking to somebody who lost 16 friends on the front line. I've got Mm -hmm. blood in the ground. I, I understand spiritual. I could go into and another time we could have mm-hmm. that conversation on why they got killed because it was mm-hmm. a collision of kingdoms. Yeah. And People we may die. see some of that, but, um, I, and I know I, I was thinking, I know that there are some people listening to us that fear is rising right now as we're talking. Right. And I, what I would say is, uh, God is bigger than all of that. He is, he's bigger than the change coming. God is going to be on the move. He is going to be doing some incredibly awesome things. I believe right. we're going to see great moves of God's power. We're going to see segments of society that are going to wake up and be redeemed. I believe God is going to raise up, raise up Josephs and prophets and different people to, to reach the world. And we may see some of that clash of kingdoms. I, I think that's, that's going to happen. Mm. But I do believe that God is not going to... Uh, if you if you have a lot of some people who are who are her function is a I'm going to say a phrase that I'm going to have to explain people who function as Christian deists mm. are going to have a lot of fear, mm. and a deist is somebody who believes that God created and then he the world and then he kind of pushed it out there like a ship and he's watching it from a distance as it sails off. You know mm. that God is very removed from creation. So if uh, but if you're if your if your view of God is big, that He's He spoke the world into into existence, and that He loves us, He's not gonna leave us hanging, even if we're some of the people who do get do get martyred. Yeah. We're gonna we get a eternity. I mean, if you if you live with the mind of inter- eternity, and you live with the idea and the not and the the personal knowledge of God being intimate, yeah, I'm I'm not saying that I don't have any fear. I have some mm. concern about what the future is because I don't like change, mm-hmm. but uh, we're going to be okay in that in the long run. In the in the eyes of eternity, we're going to well, be we're fine. Okay, we're okay if we can shift our worldviews, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We can think differently. We can be one of the the words I use in the book is prudence, mm-hmm. right? And the reason why I use the word prudence is. Prudence is wisdom for the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's practically, it's practically being prophetic. It's, it's mm-hmm. looking forward. And yeah. if we'll become prudent, see if, if the, the, I guess my biggest concern is, is that there's always this sort of um, philosophy that sort of comes into the church world. I mean, the, you know, mm-hmm. the whole rapture concept is mm-hmm. rooted in this, that somehow or another, we're all going to be protected. 
They're mm-hmm. all going to be taken out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and yet you look through history and God didn't take Noah out. Yeah. I mean, Noah and God mm-hmm. had a partnership in this whole thing. He went through it. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you see the same thing with Moses and delivering his people. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. goes through it, yes. not around it, not over it, not under it, mm-hmm. not out of it, through yeah. it, right? Yeah. So, so here's something interesting, and 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 it, it, it's 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 kind of important that we understand this because it's it's kind of germane to what we're talking about. Around 587, 589 BC, there's a whole group of people whose world was centered around an institution called the temple. Mm-hmm. And in, in their worldview, that temple, because it was the house of God, was mm-hmm. indestructible. Yeah, It was, I mean, there was no way that God was ever going to allow anything to happen to them because what? They were the most important thing God was doing. Yeah. And that temple was the most important thing he was building, right? Mm-hmm. So that was their worldview. And so they lived in assumption and presumption. And then what happens? It gets destroyed. It does. And, and there's one weird guy, right? This one weird rebel guy who kind of stands up and goes, oh, I'm sorry to tell you this, but God's chosen guys in Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. I mean, this is so outside of <laughs> anybody's frame of reference. Oh, he would get lots of hate mail. In, well, in exactly. This you, got, you know, the political guys throw him in prison, and his mm. own religious guys tried to kill him. Yeah. And so he's like running for his life. I mean, the fact that Lamentations in Jeremiah is in the Bible is actually almost miraculous, right? Because <laughs> he's the greatest traitor in, in Jewish history, right? Mm-hmm. He betrays them all. But what happens? It's so interesting because this whole group mm-hmm. of people get taken into Babylon, right? And their institution has been decimated. What happens? They adapt. Mm-hmm. And out of it comes a synagogue concept, right? Because mm-hmm. it started with what? People meeting in homes. They had nowhere to meet. So they meet in people's homes and mm-hmm. then it gathers and out of that comes a synagogue. For the last 2,500 years, the Jewish community's primary way of relating to each other has been through the what? Synagogue. Right. That happened in disillusionment, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, people don't, Stop to think about this, but the second most sacred book outside of the Torah is the Talmud. Hmm. But you know what the actual name of it is? What? The Babylonian Talmud, because it was written in Babylon. Babylon. Hmm. So so I, I guess what I, I'm trying to get people to understand is, is there's change coming. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to fear because God's got all kinds of really cool things. One of the things mm-hmm. that I ask people all the time, like, does the creator of the universe suddenly run out of ideas? Like, is God does he suddenly no stop becoming innovation? creative? Right. Yeah. Does he suddenly stop? Does he, does he have no more innovation in there? Yeah. If you go back and study what I write about in the book, you know, Tesla dreamed all of his inventions. Niles Bohr dreamed the atom. Einstein saw the theory of relativity mm. 20 years before he ever came up with a formula. I mean, all the way through human history, God has brought revelation to humans mm-hmm. that have changed history. We don't talk about it at school because it's all about knowledge. But the mm-hmm. truth of it is almost every one of these guys had a spiritual experience that launched him into this new worldview. It's like, so that's suddenly gone now. See, the reason I'm not scared is I'm actually kind of excited. 
Because what we've got is opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. In other words, if we realize the fact we're going across a threshold, things are going to be new. Well, what do we know from history? Every time something new happens, God starts talking to people. But in order for us to hear him, we got to think outside the box. I was going to read a quote that uh, you said almost the same thing. If I can find it here, um, but I, uh, I can't, I, I, I can't find the quote. But it basically said that, um, oh yeah, we are standing. Here it is. We are standing at another pivotal moment in human history, and God will speak. He will. So that's uh, I kind of wanted. That's one of the things I wanted to when we close is is just uh, I do believe that God is on the move and that we are at a time of great change. I think that is that that's prophetic in this book. It, it's it's mm-hmm. a message that people need to hear is that change is coming. Whether you like it or not, change is coming. The question is is how will we respond? And I think it's important to seek the Lord and hear him. He um right. and not just rely on the group think. Um, well, because it's not one size fits all. It's, yep. it's, 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 again, we, it's relational, right? Mm-hmm. So it's community based approaches. Yeah. You know, what, what one group of believers does in California, mm-hmm. a different group in Kansas might do something Slightly totally different. different. But what you've, what we've got to start doing is recognizing that the change is coming mm-hmm. and looking up to heaven and go, okay, God, here we are, mm-hmm. your bond servant, use us, speak. Yes. And and we have to be willing to think outside the box. Um, G- Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Mm. Not that one guy that happens to have a nice square piece of furniture and a Bible on it. He's the <laughs> only guy that can speak. You know, yes. uh, so I, I think that we're in an age where the Lord wants to teach his people to hear his voice. And yeah. he wants to speak and he wants to say some things. Um, perhaps someone listening to this podcast, maybe you're an agent of change. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're, maybe you're a voice. Maybe God wants to do something in your community or build community. I really think that God is going to build new communities that are great, that are uh, ground level, grassroots, something different. Um, and that's one of the things I'm asking about uh, because I believe that God wants. I, I I personally believe that that revival is coming. The question is, is what is it going to look like, and and what's He doing? I don't want to build some. I, I'm I'm tired of building things that are just dead. Mm-hmm. I, I need something with some life mm-hmm. in it, and I need something that's mm-hmm. organic, relational, and impacting. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm asking a lot of questions. Lord, what is it going to look like? What do you want to do? Who do you want me to connect with? So I I, I just people listening. Right now, uh, start seeking the Lord about some of this stuff. He, it's 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 change can be scary, or change can be exciting. Does it make sense when I say that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I used to, you know, there was all these prophecies years ago about stadiums being filled, mm-hmm. right? And one of the questions I would always ask, this is me getting myself in trouble again, is they said, well, <laughs> but all of these prophecies have a precursor mm-hmm. and the precursor is there's no sporting events tonight. Now this is America. When do we not have sporting events? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, yeah, I remember suddenly, that prophecy. suddenly now what happens? We're in the middle of a pandemic. What suddenly disappears? Sports. Yeah. I mean, you know, you realize how much concrete is sitting here in America empty right now. Mm-hmm. 
it's just nobody's there. Yeah. So, yeah. I, so, but my point is, is something shifted, right? There was something mm-hmm. cataclysmic, something huge that what created a whole new uh, set of circumstances, right? A whole mm-hmm. new environment, a whole new thing. Mm-hmm. So everybody right now is suddenly adapting and shifting and there's a mm-hmm. lot going on. And I'm just saying right now, it's really crucial for the Josephs and the Josephines to mm-hmm. really, I think they're going to rise to the top. Yeah. I, uh, and I, I do like the, I've, I watched some of those big ga- uh, gatherings they've had, like the send and some of those things, mm-hmm. which are really cool. But mm-hmm. I think what's far more important is what happens when those people leave that stadium. Right. What is that going to look like? Yeah. You know, when they leave that stadium, that, that gathering where there's people healed and there's great messages spoken and the worship is awesome and, and people are touched, what's it going to look like when they leave that? That what's what's that what's the body of Christ look like on a day to day basis? Life lived out, and and uh, when we become change agents. So, Amen. Well, Bob, I have enjoyed talking with you because you make me think. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. Yeah, no, it is I've a been good thing. You know, of being a catalyst, so hopefully, <laughs> I, I would rather have somebody uh, challenge me to think and look at things differently, and maybe not even agree with 100% everything they say, than just have a great conversation with somebody in the world, yep, 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 we all agree, and nothing's <laughs> changed. You know what I mean? So um, I think that this book is intended to be a change, change agent, and I would highly recommend mm. that people read the book. So in the company well, of Joseph, you. Um, you can find it on Amazon, you can find it on, any. Uh, you, I know you can find it on your website too, right? Yeah. Um, so there are lots of places that you can find it. I would encourage you to check it out. I read it from cover to cover. Um, it's a valuable book. Uh, it will cause you to think and and uh, maybe stir you to to think and to pray about the future. And and change is coming. I think it's it's true. Change is coming. It just is. So. Amen. All right. Well, anything else you want to say as we close here? What's that? Anything else you want to say as we close here? Close here, Mr. Scott. Well, no, I've enjoyed the dialogue. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm I'm like you. I I uh, I get bored with echoes, mm-hmm. and so where I'm always looking is is voices. I'm I've always been intrigued. Mm-hmm. You know, Anna and Simeon. Mm-hmm. Well, they were praying in the temple, recognized the pers- purpose of God in the cry of a little mm-hmm. child. Yeah, that is kind of interesting. And I've always said to myself, "Can I do that?" I mean, do I have the capacity to hear God in immaturity? Yeah. And so I think that's one of the challenges ahead of us. But I think um, there's a posture, mm-hmm. and that posture is humility. I think mm-hmm. humility to me is the key to, to, to revelation. Because what mm, humility assumes is you don't know. Yes. You need your... You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So I, I just think that if if we can all um, not assume we know mm-hmm. and, and approach God like little children mm-hmm. and say, Lord, here am I. It's mm. good. Speak, you know. That's very good. So, yeah. So in closing, I do believe the Lord wants to speak to us. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm going to close with a phrase from the book that I that I probably like the most. Free yourself 
from Groupthink. <laughs> Amen. It's so this great. has been the Wake the Giant uh, broadcast. I'm your host, Alan Garrett, with Bob Scott. Thank you for listening to the Wake the Giant podcast. We hope that you will join us in lighting the flames of revival wherever you go. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Please share and like on social media.